I think um, you need to say clearly what happened. Who gives a fuck? I can't be personally hit Candace Owens and her stinky cray cray. No good thing starts with I was thinking about my ex. He ain't learned his lesson. That's a brother ain't gonna learn shit. I know this is gonna be a lot of good. Okay. Let's keep this shit funky. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. You probably saw part one. If you didn't, everything else right here is probably not going to make a lot of sense. So I would say first, go back, watch part one, and then come back over here and watch this. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about Fat Joe, uh, conversation coming up on Will Smith's book, yes, uh, and, and the state of comedy. We talk a little bit about the state of comedy. You don't want to miss this. So sit tight. Here we go. Welcome to the Unpopular Show. They are now, before they were saying, and when I say they, the, the players in the WNBA, they were saying um, the men in the NBA should donate some of their salary to supplement the WNBA player's salary. Well, okay. obviously that went over like a lead balloon. <laughs> yeah, could you? So, yeah, okay. Most of the, most of the, mm, Okay. Most of the NBA are, they are not millionaires. Correct. They're not. Contrary to popular belief. This is why, all you know, I saw I saw a great post um, about available jobs and young men wanting to get into different things. And so it's basically, you know, uh, millions of young men trying to apply for 40 jobs. That's the, that's the NBA. Um, but, yeah, they they all don't. They're all not making LeBron money. So to no. tell them that you know, hey, you should donate some of your salary. Nah, them, them brothers ain't. They might be. They they're they're well paid, but they're not making. They're not making the multi millions that you know the franchise players are making. So, <clears throat> I think I think the numbers are the WNBA costs seventy million a year to operate they they make about 60 million a year so wait, wait, they've wait. operated it costs 70 million mm-hmm. they make 60 million mm-hmm. so they so they 10 million a whole and they have never in i think their 26 year history operated in the positive the nba has subsidized the wnba in terms of pay right okay. to, to keep it going which it is what it is, right? It's a business decision. You've got, it, it, I don't think it's an engendered problem exactly when you start just stripping out the numbers. It's, it's a business equation. You have this division that makes X number and this division that makes X number. If you see value in this division and it's not reaching its goals, you subsidize from this division. Businesses do it all the time. Smart businesses they carry it for a while and then they realize this is not a good business thing and they kill it or they sell it off to somebody else who can do better with it and, and make money out of it. Um, so I don't think that's an engendered issue uh, on the onset, but they make it an engendered issue. Mm-hmm. They're saying we're not getting paid as much because we're women. Well, no, you're not getting paid as much because your business doesn't earn as much. So, now, but all of that to say, they're now switching the conversation to um, we need the same type of uh, 
back-end deals that the the male players are getting. Uh, residuals on jersey sales and, and that type of stuff. To which I say, okay. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that if the business supports it. I'm okay with you getting 50% of jersey sales after we reach profitability. Because I can't give you 50% of jersey sales. You're fighting. You're holding that that joke in because <laughs> I said back end a lot, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. We're, 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 we're 12 here, y'all. Um, so, okay. That, look, and there is absolutely no way I can I can say this without someone being offended. So, sorry in advance. Um, the WNBA in theory, is a wonderful concept. I mean, you got the NBA, men playing basketball, you got women playing pro basketball because there are women that can play ball, right? But I've never, being honest, I've never, and it's my, I, I, okay, I barely watched the NBA, and that's because of the Knicks, it's their fault, but in general, uh, you know, if I watch sports, I, it's a little more, a lot more action my experience has been more action watching men playing basketball for a long time. There weren't women that, that could, that could slam dunk. It happened, but that's not the, that's not the norm. Right. I've never, I, I never, me personally, talking about me personally, watching women play basketball wasn't as enjoyable, uh, you know, for the reasons of watching them play basketball. If I'm watching it, I'm watching for another reason. So back when I was in high school, you know, I, there was a, a a girl I was cool with that was on the team. We watched them play because we had to watch them play before we played. <laughs> but if it was on a different night, it wasn't showing up. You, you, you get what I'm saying? It's 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 kind of right. always kind of been like that. And I believe the WNBA is is almost like an extension of what high school basketball for you know was you know what I mean um and it's it's not as great of an audience for it and that's not to that's not saying that it's not valuable and that it's not they're not great athletes is not worth watching anything like that i don't think people enjoy it the same way and again in theory it's a wonderful concept but just in practice as you, you know will it ever you know, operate above, you know, to, to you know, break even. I don't know. Um, they may, they may need to be. We're a sexist society. I, we'll watch. Women. I don't think we are. Yeah, we are. We're we're sexist. We're we're very sexist. We're especially in this country. We're, we're sexist. We're racist. We're all of that. It's been built on it. This country has been built on both. Right. I'd rather watch. Um, you know, uh, attractive women in, in in little little shorts running around, rather than Britney Britney uh, the other one. I'd rather watch Britney Griner. Is that the right one? I'm getting a you, mixed. No, up. you'd rather you'd rather watch Britney Renner than Britney, Britney Griner. I'd rather watch Britney Renner than Britney Griner. And I know that makes me a jerk. I get no, it. Why does that make you? Why does that make you a jerk? And why is that? In sexist? some people's eyes, it's going to make me. Oh, you! You're just sexist. Yes. Oh, of course. Of I, course, people are going to think that, but that doesn't actually mean it's true. Right. I don't think. I don't think that's sexist, and I don't think it makes you a jerk. 
Okay. You're a man. You're a heterosexual male. You like to look at uh, heterosexual attractive women. That doesn't make you a jerk. It makes you a man, right? <laughs> it makes you. It makes your biology function properly for a heterosexual male. That so I, I don't think it's anything wrong with that, and I don't think it's anything. Look, I I don't like male gymnastics. I like women's gymnastics, and it's not because they're in skimpy outfits. It's because it's just more entertaining to me. It, that that doesn't make me a, a, a sexist against men. Well, it just you, means if I you, prefer that. Yeah. Well, if I you, prefer if, uh, women's women's track and field. Okay. I prefer women's tennis. Right. <laughs> it doesn't, right? It's a lot, it's, and there's more action to it. It seems it's it kind of seems like. Plus, uh, for for me, the sound effects um, from women is is you know on, on the tennis field is is better than hearing. Sorry, you you don't want to hear a bunch of men grunting. No, nah, uh, I don't want to hear that. I don't know. I want to see that cat suit running from side to side, going. What what you do in the privacy of your own bedroom is between you and your wife. <laughs> hey baby, hey, I want you to put this tennis uh, tennis outfit on. Come uh, meet me, meet me upstairs in like twenty minutes. <laughs> What's the tennis racket for? <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> Why is there a referee? Why do you have the dog dressed in a referee outfit? Don't worry about that either. Just come on. <laughs> um. Uh, no, I mean, look, if it was engendered, and I, I really don't think it's purely an engendered issue. I don't even think it's mostly an engendered issue. I think people don't prefer women's basketball. Um, and I say people and not just men, because if it were truly engendered, then women would all women. be mm-hmm. in the, in the stands and, and their channels turned watching the games. I've done the research and looked at the math at this time in history, sports fans in terms of, of watching on TV, it's about 50, 50. Okay. It still skews a little bit more male by like two or 3%. So this is not, you know, 80% men. And if those 80% of men watch the WNBA would be successful. No, it's if the 50% of women who watch basketball, NBA sports in general, watched it. They would put more butts in the seats. They would sell more sponsorships and advertising. It would free up money to do uh, better residual deals because I won't say back end because it'll make you laugh like a 12-year-old boy again. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, and, and, and they could get paid more. I just It doesn't make sense to pay more when you're already operating at a $10 million a year deficit and you have never operated in the plus and to say that i wanted to google and see if i could find really quickly and ap won't let me do it They're like you better join um i wanted to see if i could find quickly and i haven't been able to how much the nba generated in its first 25 years mm. they probably weren't operating in the positive but they weren't um, they probably weren't spending as much money either uh um What's the word that I'm looking for? Inflation, right? Just, so just for inflation, okay. Back then, a car cost a thousand dollars, right? 
right? You, you get a gallon of gas for 20 cents. So, <laughs> so comparatively, they probably spent the same or more. Okay. I mean, and then, you know, there's the advertising that comes with it now, and it's a whole lot more that, that goes into it rather than, I get it. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't know. It's, I, think they, I think they might be trying to skip the line a bit. I would say this. If, if, if they seriously want the players from the NBA to donate, you know, to invest rather um, on, you know, on the women's salary, then they should be able to, that should make, that should make them partners on the WNBA and the proceeds when they when it operates yes. on the plus side, they should be able to, you know, get their investment plus some back. But they're not asking for an investment. They're asking for a donation. Yeah. So that's not going to happen. So that's different. But it's very interesting you say that because there's the other part of the conversation that's happening right now around this issue. And that's the deal that they struck with soccer or international football Football. or whatever you want to call it. Football. Ball. So they've struck a deal to uh, guarantee, for lack of a better term, uh, fair pay, equal pay for the women's players and the men's players. And that deal is they all share in revenue. And correct me if I'm wrong in the comments. uh, I read a little bit about this, but not a whole lot. But they all share in the the proceeds they get from winning the uh, at the the highest level World Cup and that type of thing. Yeah, championships. So, and let me Google this real quick. So if the men win and the women don't, Percentage of the winnings from the men goes to the women. Mm. If the women win and the men don't, a percentage of the proceeds from the women winning goes to the men. Okay. On the surface, that seems fair, right? No, it doesn't. Why does it not? <sighs> Listen, if we all hunting and we're not on the same team per se, there's a difference between saying, okay, we all going to eat if you're starving, right? But if you already eaten, we're both hunting and you get what you're hunting and I hunt and get more, why, you're not starving, but I happen to hunt more? Why should I have to donate more what I've given, what I worked for to you? And that is equity. (laughs) That's that's equity. That's pretty much the definition of equity. And I agree, right? Like, so- the men will always operate at a net loss, even though the women win more. Really? The women win more. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the women's U.S. soccer team has a better win record than the men's U.S. soccer team. Yeah, However, is the viewership the, the same? Men's, no. The okay. men's U.S. soccer viewership is better. Okay. It makes more money. Okay. So the men will always be at a net loss. Wow. Even if the women win. Because they bring in less money, so their bonus is smaller. So the men will always be operating at a net loss. The only way to make that even and equal is to equalize pay across the board for everybody who plays and and do a, a rev share across the board for both sides, which if everybody is equalized and everybody's making the same, then there's no need for a rev share. And some people say, well, sure, that's fair. But what you'll see is talent leaving and going to other countries to play. Right. 
because if I am if I am objectively better or ob- I objectively play or work harder than hell the other people on my team, I would expect to objectively get more money. But if I'm capped at the lowest or at the mid, some type of mean, I'm gonna go to the country that's gonna pay me the most. Yeah, if you tried to pay LeBron the same amount that you paid Joe Schmo on the bench, you know what I mean? LeBron would be like, it, yeah, I'm going to Italy. Right, it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to to have a thriving, uh, uh, profitable organization. It, in in my mind, I I would love to have my mind changed on that. I welcome people to 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 jump in and correct me on my information and share another point of view. Yeah. Again, I don't even watch soccer. I'm not the hugest sports fan. I enjoy sports. I, I at one point I was athletic, um, but you know my reality these days is you know uh, fighting myself to go down to my gym and work out. So watching someone else work out is not as enjoyable. <laughs> so there's that. Um, I was trying to find some some more information on it, but I couldn't. But sorry to, to take you down that rabbit hole, but it's no, my. My brain went there as we were talking about Miss Brittany. <laughs> Speaking of rabbit holes, you want to talk about R. Kelly? Oh, man. Okay, sure, let's go there. So, on Friday, a surprise album. Everyone was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe it. R. Kelly seemingly dropped an album titled I admit it. <laughs> he, he dropped an album in the shower and was afraid to pick it up. <laughs> I admit it. Here's a piece of it. I'll skip ahead a little bit. Full of fans. I admit I'm a gift and a curse. I admit that I don't go to church. I admit it, I made it. I admit it, I did it. I admit it, I did. I admit it, I did, did it. I admit I got so many flaws. Told so many lies to these frauds. Lose so much money, pop so many bottles. Yeah, I fuck a bitch just because, nigga. Okay, you get the point. That song had three, there was three parts. I admitted part one, two, and three. There were 13 tracks on the album. And I mean, no sooner than it hit the blogs, like, oh my God, R. Kelly dropped a new album? It was snatched down off of all the platforms. Sony Music was like, yeah, we didn't authorize this. Uh, nah. So he was like, wait a minute, how, how did he put an album out? Well, that song, I admit it, is R. Kelly from maybe four or five years ago. It was a 20 minute song where he sung about being, you know, hanging with uh, everything from hanging with. Um, uh, 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 Wendy Williams and liking old and younger women, but not understanding how that's, you know, considered, you know, being a pedophile. That's, that's in the lyrics. Um, but that song was, you know, that song was three, four years old. So since then, it's been snatched down and R. Kelly had somebody, I guess somebody called him. He, he got on the phone somewhere bear with me people because I should have had this queued up um 
he got on the phone to dispute what was happening. <laughs> Live from prison. Live from prison. He was <laughs> like, yo, um, here we go. And in the background, you could hear someone saying, you can have that call, but you better keep rubbing my feet. That's right there. That makes no damn sense. He basically said, um, I want to let people know, why would I put an album out right now called I Admit It? I'm trying to do this, especially when I'm trying to, you know, appeal my case. You know, I wasn't responsible for that. I didn't put that out. That's, that's dumb as hell. I wouldn't I wouldn't do anything like that. But he actually did the song, so the, the groundwork was already laid. <laughs> laid. Sorry. Um, poor choice of words. Um, but in any case, so it was an unauthorized album. Sony Music said it was an unauthorized album. So now the question is, who did that? And I don't know. And it's damn near genius because while he is going for his appeals, an album from R. Kelly from with a song that he actually sang saying, I admit it, I did it. Oh, it's genius. I, why would why would he the narcissism in our, our society today is astounding. Mm. It is mind blowing. It is it is uh, staggering in its ineptitude and and um, uh, I was looking for a Greek word uh, and it it eluded me. But okay, um, hubris that's the one, okay. and it's hubris. You know you're doing something that the world considers to be wrong. Whether you consider it to be wrong or not, you know that the world considers it to be wrong. You know you'd have been pulled into court. You know you've been um, the the subject of investigations. But you go into the studio, hit the record button, run a track. No, even before that, you sit down and you write no, it, well, a song. No, see, see, see. And then go and record it. See, no, see, see, Mike, see, see, there you go. You know, he also admitted that he can't write. <laughs> Oh, so there's that. <laughs> you know, he went in there. He, you got him on the singing part, and he came off of it. You know, he he's great at it off the top. He's you know him and you know he does that. Um, no, he's <laughs> he's out of his mind, is what he is. He's completely out of his mind. Why would you do an audio recording of something that will implicate you in a crime that you're being investigated for? Have been being investigated for for quite some time. Why right. would you record that? Why I mean, would you do that? Listen, it's the same reason why there was a there was a clip of him toasting with a bunch of his friends going, Oh, they 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 too late. They should have they should have came at me twenty years ago. It's too late. He actually said that. You can Google that. Um, so he thought he, I mean he thought he was a he thought he was above reproach, a bro above any any type of uh Punishment above the law, untouchable. Like you know, he was going to be king forever. <laughs> so I'm looking at this story up on the screen. Some of the track titles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got it. Mm -hmm. The good old days. Oh yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Really, bro? 
<laughs> really, bro. And these are actual, these are his songs. It's not like somebody imperson is impersonating R. Kelly on these tracks. These are this is from his creative space. Yeah. So Look, I, that said, it's obvious he wouldn't have released this. He didn't release this. Somebody did. Yeah. Um they are they are still in his intellectual property. He has a lawsuit on whoever released this. I mean, he has a lawsuit against him. He also said in that song, I, I I actually listened through most of it, like skimming through. He, he said something to the effect of that he doesn't own his uh, publishing. In that song, he he alluded to not owning his publishing, that he had right, signed, I'm, I'm, that he had signed a contract so many years ago that uh, he didn't know what he was signing. Yeah, I know somebody's actually going through that right now where they, they signed a publishing deal and their publishing has been hijacked for a long time. Um, uh, but look, this this is where I have to say, and I'm going to say this, and uh, I wish it was a button. That I, let me take myself off camera just in case it, people <laughs> come for me. I go, that wasn't me. You don't want to read your lips? That's what you no, but that wasn't me. No, I'm, I'm just joking. Um, this is where I have to say, to some degree, Kanye was right. Right not, about not about not a, not about his his whoa. anti-Semitic not whoa, about his whoa, anti-Semitic whoa. rant. Thank you. Please he clear was, that up. <laughs> he was he was right about how the deals are bad and how those music industry deals, um, yeah, okay, uh, victimize a lot of people. Okay. He was right about that. Well, that wasn't an original thought. No, 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 no. It was a very loud one from him. Yeah, but it, it wasn't. Was it wasn't an original thought. He didn't come up with that himself. I mean, that's been that's been around. You know, people understand that. Michael Jackson said that. Prince, Prince. said that. Prince went as far as to get slave uh, on his face. Right, right, on his face. Changed his name from Prince to a symbol because they owned his name. So yep. it's not this. It, that concept is not anything new. Kanye's still an idiot. A clock can be <laughs> a clock can be correct. A broken clock can be right twice a day. So yeah, no, nah. <laughs> we're not going to attribute that to Kanye. Um, no, a lot of people you'd though. Be, you'd be um, better. You'd be better off saying Thanos was right before you said Kanye was right. You're hilarious. Look, a, a lot of people. Um, a lot of people don't remember the, the Michael Jackson stuff and the Prince stuff. We we owe. So, <laughs> so we remember that. But for a lot of people, that conversation originated with Kanye. Man, sure. Um, Tommy, he, he he called out to, to Michael Jackson. Called out Tommy Mottola. Mariah Carey was wasn't yeah. she married to Tommy Mottola? Yep. And as soon as she got away from him, they labeled her as crazy. Coincidence? Yep. You know. Well, there's, there's that. Don't get me. Don't get me started. So, yeah, I, I, I'm just I'm just anti Kanye right now. I don't want to hear nothing new. You and he got to say. You and everybody else, yeah, and and he's been in news for some stuff. I'll be honest with you, I I haven't really watched. I'm I'm just like, okay, I can't, I yeah. can't. People, you can go back on episodes. I've been calling Kanye uh, out of his name and and saying he's out of his mind for a very long time. So yeah, yeah you almost three years in on this Kanye out of his mind. <laughs> Told you, this ain't new. This you ain't, ain't new to this. You true to this. That's right. <laughs> he needs, that brother, need, he, he needs help, but he's not getting the help. He has too many people. And I don't want to turn this into a con. Yeah, man. 
Uh, I, 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 again, I'll just go on the well, record, and you can and you can beat me. Fuck Kanye. Moving on. We let's let's get off one hated black figure and move on to another hated black figure. Oh boy, one Mister Dion Sanders. Is he really hated though? Oh yeah. Okay. So I okay again. This is something I I don't have much I don't have much insight on. I mean I. For what I've seen, again, I'm not the biggest sports fan. I thought what he did, going to coach at a at a um, a black college, black university, was was dope. Um, and for what I understand, it was for to attract the best athletes and to give them um, to to put more light on those athletes to give them more opportunities in going to you know to going pro and, and getting other opportunities outside after college. Correct. For the most part, yeah, you got that right. For okay. the most part, um, he was at a black university, so we know he wasn't getting a whole lot of money. I forget what his his oh god, I forget what his salary was like three hundred thousand dollars a year, something like that. And we talking about prime time, who was used to making millions in his life, correct? And so I'm not to say he didn't need the money. He was doing, but he was he doing, didn't, you know. But he was doing, he was doing, I think what he was doing was pretty, pretty cool, pretty honorable. It's like, you know, I, I, shoot, Spike Lee teaches at NYU. He's a professor at NYU. Who knows what his salary is, but I'm sure it's not really a factor of why he's doing that. He enjoys filming. He's teaching filmmaking, right? He's, and he has a lot, you know, he has a lot of insight to share on, on filmmaking. So I, I kind of looked at, you know, uh, prime time going to black university is the same thing. Now, when another, do I understand uh, what what school was it that that hired him? He came out that they were going to <laughs> to uh, play for play a championship. That he was leaving that university and getting a pretty 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 big payday. So I verified he was making three hundred thousand a year. It was a one point two million deal for three years. Came out to be roughly three hundred thousand a year. Okay. Um. Uh, what is it? Colorado. Okay. Where it's cold. Colorado University, Colorado Where? State University. Where it's cold. I think it's, <laughs> and you can get high legally. Yes. Um. <laughs> there, there let's, let's keep things in perspective here, yeah. T. Like, I mean, if, it, if you're going to be that cold, you probably should be high. <laughs> but um, they came to the table. They made him an offer. Five million a year. Woo! Okay, he accepted so, the offer. Man, so where is the back? I mean, if it's about getting your paper, and it, I mean, he did what he he, he did what he he what he uh, you know came to do at that school. Another opportunity came along. That's what the name of the game is. That's what happens. What people do. So he did more than what he came to do. And this, as I was researching this, and. and Admittedly, watching some other people talk about it and reading a few things, I learned a whole lot and I gained so much more respect for him as a, as a man. This is a man. So here's what he was doing. <clears throat> he was taking half of that 300000 that they were giving him and putting it back into the school. Wow. Back, back into the program. He got the locker rooms updated, meals proper meals and everything for the players, uh, taking them on the road, 
uh, um, proper equipment and uniforms. He went and got sponsors at, off of his connects wow. and out of his pocket. He paid to revamp the locker room. He paid to get the field done. He went down the block to that to another school, uh, a competitive competing school. Mm-hmm. Their field wasn't done. He's helping them get their field done. Wow. See, see, wow. Now he okay. got robbed. They broke into his office and stole like his his trophies and all of this shit. Oh man. He was supposed to share in the revenue of ticket sales after they reached, I think, 30,000 sales. He shares, he would share in uh, what came in over and above that. Okay. For some reason, they would have a packed house. And for some reason, the ticket sales would only show 28,000 sold. Okay. I think that arena holds 60. So they were robbing him that way. Wow. So, I mean, he came in, he's there three years. They had, what, three winning seasons. <laughs> they won the SWAT championship one of those years, mm-hmm. which is something I don't think they've ever done. He, it Just his presence being there shined such a light on HBCUs. Mm-hmm. It was this spillover residual effect. Yeah. Now there are two Two companies that I can think of primarily that are putting um, HBCU football games on broadcast television, whereas that didn't exist before. Um, He changed in a very short time, short amount of time, the landscape, right? Yeah. So people mad that he left because they say he should have stuck with with the black folks and stayed over at, at HBCUs. And I say... Hey, we, you know, we're in a capitalist society. Yeah. So, you know, you do what makes sense, I think, for you and your family and your, your smaller community. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not mad at him for taking the other job. Um, also, I feel like he might be able to make a significant impact over at that PWI. Um, Okay. Downstream. Help me out. What does PWI stand for? Uh, predominantly white institution. Okay, there we go. I, I think that I'm glad it wasn't poor white idiots. Okay, thank you. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> no, I did not know. <laughs> um, or, or poor, I think or, or poor white institution. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, those are those are called community colleges. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm a graduate of a community college, I, so yeah, I, yeah. I say that in jest. Yes, I, shout out to Kingsborough Community College here in, in New York City, in Brooklyn. That's, I, that's where I attended. It's a lot of great broadcasters came from there. <laughs> by the way, um, but I, I think I think him doing what he did, um, it, it shines a light on HBCU athletics and HBCU schools in general, as that light shines on the athletics programs. The um, uh, enrollment also goes up. Um, and then I think going over to Colorado, he is creating a blueprint for uh, uh, ex-pros, NFL pros, NBA pros to be able to come into these situations where we have been underrepresented so long. He, he is proving, he has, he has gone in and proven himself and then 
got uh, institutions that generally won't deal with folks that look like him to write a very big check. Yeah. So what happens in, in capitalism when you do something and you prove it's success? It's imitated. It's reproduced. So, I, you know, people mad at him that he didn't say at the, the school. Dr. Umar Johnson has some things to say and oh, everybody no. has some things to say. I'm, I'm not mad at Dion. I'm proud of Dion. I am proud of that brother. Yeah, I, 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 I can't take Dr. Umar uh, the prince of pan-Africanism. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very funny moniker. <laughs> and that's what he's given himself. I, I, I respect the stuff that he's, he's attempting to do and trying to do. I think he, he, he mentioned, I heard him on an interview that they actually have a building for his school now. It's been almost, well, what, it's been 10, 15 years now? He's, been, he's, he's always, he's had the building. He just ain't done nothing else. Oh, okay. He so was blaming. I think the last time I looked at that, they, he was saying that he needed money to get the HVAC fixed and the plumbing how, fixed and how all long of that ago, stuff. How long ago was that? That was at least three years ago, I think. All right. Well, according to that, that's done. And they're almost ready to do an opening. So Okay. Yeah. So, hey, listen, uh, that's better than what I was thinking. Because it's been, you know, I understand it takes a while for, to get things done especially if you ain't paying for it yourself and waiting on donations. Um, but uh, yeah, after a while it goes, where are all them donations going, brother? <laughs> there is, there's a YouTube channel who I, I used to watch him more than I do now. Uh, it's Pocket Watching with JT. Okay. He did a whole episode where he went into Dr. Umar Johnson's financials and broke all of that all the way down um, because that's a, a 501c3. So you can go and get the information online. It is a, it's public information on how much money he brings in and donations each year and how it's spent line by line. Um, and again, it's been a long time since I've, I've seen this episode and, and looked into it, but it looked real shady when you start digging into the financials of that uh, nonprofit that's setting up the it's Frederick Douglass Marcus Garvey School of something or the other. I can't remember the full name, but yeah, well, yeah. I encourage everybody who you know will donate to an organization to take the time to research the organization. Yeah, I just don't I, say that and leave it there. Yeah, I just uh, my donations um, stop at uh, Magic City. Um, so no, it don't. Your donations are uh, uh, to to. Um, to to hear international to hear Tamir <laughs> Terrence and Tyler yes all the all T four T's international right that's that's where your donations go right. and, and Kaylee Incorporated like <laughs> and T'Challa stick his head around the corner like, don't hey, forget bro, about me hey bro what's up nah but that's my dude <laughs> T'Challa's my dude my, that's my dog by the way I have a German Shepherd named T'Challa which is hilarious if they break it down. The name T'Challa is actually Jewish because a white really? man, a white man came up with it. <laughs> Stan Lee, who is Jewish, came up with the name T'Challa. So there you have Stan Lee his props. Yes. Um. Uh. Here's a little uh uh, uh little sad news. 
Um, here in New York City, there's a couple of establishments that are closing, they are going out of business. Um, but one in particular is has been a staple for comedy for the last 30, 40 years, and that is Caroline's on Broadway. I am What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They announced Caroline announced that um she's not renewing the lease there in, in Times Square. And New Year's Eve will be their last show, the grand closing. I would imagine that someone would buy that from her. Well, they're not going to buy the name Caroline's on Broadway. I don't think that's for sale. Because she's still, I mean, oh, so she's, is a, the brand is still viable. But the building, that that club is going away. And then she would do something else. Because she does, you know, she does comedy festivals, and, you know, sponsored by Caroline's. On, you know what I mean? So they, she'll right. continue doing those things. But she's, you know, she's packing it up and. Taking her, gotcha. Taking, so I thought she was shutting the business, the the whole business down. I don't, she's just not. She's no longer doing the brick and mortar thing. Correct, correct. So I mean, it would, yeah, it would be, it would be wise, I believe. Well, then again, I don't know why she's shutting it down. Because probably the lease is too high. Lease is too high. Maybe the attendance is down since COVID, which I can understand because New York City in itself it is not back to where it was pre-COVID. There are people Let me moving ask around. You. Yeah. Let me ask you a question sure. um, because you, you swim in these lanes. I don't necessarily swim in these lanes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I like to play at telling jokes, but I don't do stand up. Um, has, has the, the woke, the woke positioning that we exist in affected comedy in terms of attendance? Cause I know comedians are to some degree, some are, are a little bit more shy about pushing the envelope um, and taking those chances, and and that does that make a, a more boring show? And are people still coming out? Um, I, yeah, people were. I mean, okay, so if we go back pre-COVID, people were still coming out. People still went to comedy shows. In fact, um, one of the last times I performed at Caroline's was to open up for D.L. Hughley. I have a, I have, I made a plaque of it. I put it up on my wall. Um, and if you can see behind me, I, from that same night, it's me on stage. You know, it was a it was a great night. All those shows were packed from Thursday to Sunday. It was packed to CDL. That was pre COVID. Um, so I don't think it's the woke thing. I think it's more probably about you know the attendance of COVID. But to answer your question, I think it's it's progressively. I mean, people have gotten. Some people, some people have gotten a little more sensitive or oversensitive. Um, if you know, going back to, and I hate to remind people of it, but there was a there was a joke that um that uh a comedian I won't I won't I won't say his name not to remind what he said, but it was it was a it was a joke that he told in a comedy club, not and and it ended up online and the the LGBTQ plus community. I know there's more letters to it, but I haven't learned all that yet. Um, they were really offended at the joke. Um, and for the first time I've, you know, he, that comedian apologized for the joke, find himself having to apologize. I'll say, I'll say it was Tracy Morgan. He has said a joke some years ago. You can look it up and you know, he actually went and apologized for the joke, even though it, there wasn't really any 
malice in the joke. It was a, it was pretty funny. Now, I had, that's not the that the joke that he told is not the first time I've heard th- that joke. You know how he said right. it. You know, um, I don't, I feel like I don't even want to say it because I'm not I'm nowhere on the level of Tracy Morgan, so I won't tempt fate. No, <laughs> um, no. But in in any case, um, so since then, and that was like th- maybe 15 years ago, right? Things have progressively gotten more sensitive since then. I mean, and I think there used to be, it used to have some sort of creative license and and understanding that if you're in the, you know, if you're on the mic in a building live telling jokes, it's about what's happening in the room right there. And it's hard to, you know, especially like, you know, people, this is why Dave Chappelle has people put their phones, you know, you have to put your phone up when you go to his show now. Because people will record a part of your, you know, your set and put it up online and there's no context to it. And it's just people just take it's, you know, it, you could be addressing something that happened in the room and tell a joke. But out of context, it now it means it takes on a whole nother meaning. So in any case, right. I think um, I think technology and people being a little more sensitive does make it a little harder. I've heard um, some interviews where um, Seinfeld had made some statements some somewhere close to the thing you know it's it's a little you know uh it's a little harder to go up on stage you know because you you constantly watching out for minefields but the but these but these are the hugest comedians um and in you know that that do it that are having so imagine someone like i'm trying to up and coming like me trying to maneuver through through that it's it is a little more challenging but you adapt that's the other side yeah you know what i mean i've heard uh cat williams say the same thing it's there's certain jokes that you know you could tell back in the 80s that you can't tell now that's just growth that's just what it is and if you if you do this for a living that you understand okay be sensitive about what people accept now and and not go there and be more and be creative in the space that you can so it's you know there's two sides to it. The people that say it's, it is a little more challenging, but that doesn't stop them from doing comedy, and I don't think it stops people from coming out. Fair enough. I just got curious. That was a very well thought out. I like the way you put that answer. <laughs> Maybe we need to get you booked on MSNBC. Or something. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, I'm with it. Let's go. Um, so all that to say, uh, I'm so sorry to see Caroline's on Broadway go. I've been uh, over the last 10, 15 years. I have been privileged to be able to walk across that stage, the same stage, the greats have, you know, have been up on and, um, and had, you know, there's the opportunities to, to, I've never been a headliner, but I've been an opener on the hugest stage in one of the hugest stage. Well, the biggest comedy stage in the world. And I'm forever grateful. So big shout out to D.L. Hughley. Shout out to Carlos Mencia. And of course, you always remember your first, Tommy Cat, uh, Tommy Davidson, who gave me my first opportunity to open at that stage. Thank you. Let's do some more. So if you're in New York City or around New York City, if you want to get to Carolina, you better hurry up and get there before New Year's because when it's gone, it's gone. Um, I got one more, one, one more, um, there was, a, I mentioned Luke, Luke, Uncle Luke, Luke Records. I have to yeah, add yeah. on. I'm representing for Luke uh, Miami. Um, there was a clip, there was an audio, a clip of audio that was going around where Fat Joe was on a on a podcast with um, Mav Hoffa um, and was saying that he 
was responsible for um, Trick Daddy, um, Pitbull, and DJ Khaled. And Luke took offense to that. He's like, I put, in fact, hold on. I'll play the clip. I put him on. I took his shit and made sure that they played it. They wasn't never going to play his shit. Six months later, he was rich. Talking about Trick Daddy. I took his demo and got him signed. Fat Joe, Trick Daddy. I took his shit and got him signed. Fuji Law was supposed to be mine. I ain't put the Fujis on, but I'm telling you about facts. And he mentioned DJ Khaled. Okay. And um, Luke posted on there, I love Joe, but I find this very interesting because I discovered Trick Daddy. He did his first song with me as soon as he got out of lockup and he stayed with me. I also discovered and signed Pitbull to the platinum selling Luke uh, Records label. He did his first songs with me because I'm from Miami. I felt the importance of signing a Cuban rapper. So I discovered him off of the battle tapes. Maybe I'm missing something here. Do I do have receipts, by the way, because you don't see me in all the videos and at the birthday parties. Yes, DJ Khaled, I found him on Underground Radio. Mix 96 brought him to mainstream and brought him to mainstream radio on 99 Jams um, in Miami when, when Luke had a radio show in Miami. Um, and then, so later on, Luke got on live and Fat Joe got on live and it was cool to see this, them kind of talk it out. And what they discovered that, that they were both, they, they discovered and agreed on that, that they were both correct. Luke did put them on their first, he did discover all what he said, he did what he said he did, but so did Fat Joe. And, and Luke was not aware that he had taken Trick Daddy and helped him get signed to Atlantic. With no back end, by the way. He wasn't looking for any money from it, according to Fat Joe. He did the same thing for with Pitbull, and we know his relationship with um, with DJ Khaled um, to this day, you know, Fat Joe and DJ So they kind of came to a consensus that, okay, well, you know, we got love for each other. You did do what you did, and I wasn't trying to disrespect Fat Joe saying, wasn't trying to disrespect whatever, but what I said, I said what I said. And Luke was able to go back and say, you know what? I didn't know that happened when they left me. So that was interesting, you know. Uh yeah, and I'm I'm glad that happened because I hadn't I hadn't heard anything about this, but I'm I'm glad that happened. But and and I'm glad they they talked about it because it the result of it was is exactly what I was gonna say is when a person is out there hustling and grinding. They're not like just hustling and grinding with one person. Right. When you're trying to make it, you connecting with whoever you can connect with wherever and you calling everybody and yo, can you put me down with your man over here and put you So a number of people can lay claim to being instrumental in that person getting signed. Um, I do remember Trick Daddy. I met Trick God, but I think it was before that first album came out. Mm. He was in Atlanta and he was working um I'm a thug. Nah. No, nah. No, he was working nah. Nah. Yeah. He was working now. Nah. And it was, I still, I probably still got the the autographed headshot of him with the little lizard on his head. He was had that lizard sitting on his head. <laughs> um, But I remember him working it around that time. And that was, that was Luke. You know what I mean? That was all, that was all Luke. That was that. Wait, now uh, was in the Luke records? No, now was on Slip and Slide. Uh, yes, Trick, Trick Daddy was on. Trick Daddy was on Scarred. 
Yes. Yes, that was. You're right. He was scarred. It was slip and slide. Um, but in, I mean, I guess he did scarred before he did now. Yes. So. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. So, because, yeah, I remember I remember hearing Trick Daddy on that record. I'm like, oh, he, that's not like a rapper I've heard from Miami. No. And, but Luke had a couple though. Luke had a couple. I can't remember those guys' names. Nobody Point. really broke other than JT Money. Yeah, Poison Clown uh, was always dope. But but it was it was a couple like hip hop kind of guys that he tried to put out under um, uh, under his label. It just didn't break. Yeah, because yeah, he wasn't looking to Luke Records for that. You just weren't. I mean, it was amazing that H Town broke like they did. Cause that was so different at the time. H Town knocking the boots record for, for all the old folks like us. You remember knocking the boots, or if you don't, you remember you remember doing it and listening to it. Because right. <laughs> I was about to say, if you don't remember knocking the boots, shame on you. <laughs> no, I mean, I, no. Look, I'm 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 glad that happened. I I I really like Fat Joe. The more I listen to him these days, the more I like him. And he has um, a book. He has a, you know he has a book out right now. No, I didn't know he had a book out. Fat Joe's book. Let me pull it up, okay? I haven't I haven't seen it yet. I haven't read it yet. But it is called Book of jo- Book of Jose by Fat Joe. And it's available when I hear that it's it's uh it's a very compelling story. He's kind of revealing a lot of different things about him, uh his coming up, his his background, and I haven't read it yet, so I'm I'm slipping. I need to get I need to get on it. I'm still I'm still working on Will Smith's book. Um, the can audio, I be honest, the audio version of it. By the way, I, I don't I don't care to read Will Smith's book. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just I don't. I, I think if you had listened, the, the this is why I said the audio version. The audio book is damn good. Because one is Will Smith reading the book to you. And then all I'm a production nerd. How they put it together is very visual as well. So I'm gotcha. enjoying that. I'm enjoying in hearing some of the stories of how he met Jazzy Jeff. And I didn't know that Jazzy Jeff at a as a young kid had like cancer. I didn't know that either. Again, these are things like I'm enjoying hearing these like, oh wow. So I have a whole new appreciation of why why Jazzy Jeff is as good as he is as a DJ. He was the best in Philly, but all he did was study. He didn't do anything else. He didn't go play ball. They wasn't sending him to the store because he was a sick kid and you know he had gotten over it. His mom kept him safe and he stayed in the basement and went through music. So that man knows everything about everything. So again, I learned that out of Will Smith's book. Fair enough. <laughs> just uh you know i i am gonna watch his his uh new movie okay. uh what is it emancipation i am gonna watch it okay uh, I'm, I'm i have mixed feelings about it um because it's another slave film it's it took me t- i i think i told this joke on the show before it took me 12 years to get to the point to watch 12 years of slave like it, it's hard for me to watch those types of movies yeah, it's 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 a bit. It could be a bit gut wrenching. I can't watch Till. There's the story about Emmett, the, the movie about Emmett Till. I can't watch it. I watched the miniseries that came on earlier this year, and that itself was gut wrenching. 
having a film that can be, I, I believe it's, it may be R rated, uh, you know, I, no, it's it's told from the mother's perspective. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched it yet. I've seen the trailer and I've uh, I've seen the uh, director. I forget her name. It's an African name, and I don't want to disrespect the sister, so I'm going to Google her name real quick. I apologize. It was uh, Chin- Chinonye Chukwu. Chinonye Chukwu. Uh, Bless you, but for it's. Doing that. <laughs> You're funny. You're funny. I, I see what you did. Uh, um, she, no, she told it from the perspective of the mother. Um, she, she, in an interview, she said she didn't show violence and stuff because she didn't want to stack onto the trauma of black people seeing them. Like, black it's bodies. already trauma associated yeah. with it happening, but she didn't want to stack on top of that by showing black bodies being beat on all that stuff, which I re- I respected that decision yeah. and to still be able to tell that story uh, very well in the way she told it uh, without doing that with staying away from the, the, you know, inflammatory type of imagery, I think was great. She didn't show the body. She yeah. didn't show the images of the, okay. of the body. So I think it was good. And shout out to um, the, the sister who played the lead. She's from Atlanta, Danielle, Deadweiler. She's in, she's an AT alien. So shout out to her. Okay. Um, the, the black bodies being abused thing is, uh, I, I've heard that same decision made for the movie Candyman this year. Like the horror movie? The horror movie Candyman. Yes. How do you, how do you make a horror movie without? Um, it was, I watched it. It was good and it wasn't traumatizing. It was more suspense and thriller than gore. Hmm. So. Okay. She was very, so that's a cool thing. And you know, it's funny to hear that, you know, you don't really realize, sometimes you don't realize what's affecting you the way it's affecting you. Yep. Right? And there's certain movies I can't, like I watch and feel a certain way afterwards. It's like, oh, I can't, you know. That's why a lot of this stuff I don't watch. Yeah. I mean, it, and I'm not saying, hey, don't make it. I'm not saying, hey, change how you make it. I'm not saying, it. do whatever, do what you do. Do what you do. Um, I, earlier this, um, one, on, I one, just can't. one of our past shows, I, tell, I told you about it. We can, we can wrap up in a second. Um, I was telling you about the movie um, Smile. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, now that does have some gore to it. <laughs> that's very, that's, it's a big, it's a big gory. But I, I, watching it, it was what I took from it. It's a, um, a I feel like it's a pretty realistic uh, discussion about self harm, and I don't want to say the word, right? Um, but you, you understand what I'm saying? Self harm res- resulting in, um mortal wounding right and the trauma that's associated with you know people seeing you know seeing that happen to another or or hearing about it happen to this movie it was more about the visual of it but there was it, it it took it to almost like a spiritual thing that there was a these people were fighting their in the movie literal demon that was chasing them around and then finally gets if it gets in and then they 
harm themselves mm. with a smile on their face. And so I, I kind of took from that. I was like, wow, that's a pretty, I mean, I don't know if they meant to meant to get there with it, but, but what I got from it was like, wow, the people for, for these, these hotlines that come out to, to help people get away from that sort of feeling or whatever. Um, it, people that, you know, that, that uh, have those thoughts are literally fighting it that way, that same way until it's like, you know what? I just give up. And then you hear about how they, you know, make peace and call and like, matter of fact, it just happened. Um, a guy that, uh, um, uh, ended himself at Disney World. It's not funny. What? Yeah. Oh, you didn't see this story. Yeah. It was, uh, it no. was, it was a husband. It's quite literally the happiest place on earth. Yes. And there, there's, there's a lot of backlash, um, in, in the afterlife he's getting because he chose to do it there. But it was something, it was something about he and, he and his wife had had some sort of, um, argument or whatever, you know, he didn't hit her. He didn't hit her or anything like that, but she called the police on him. The police came and arrested him and it, you know, um, resulted in him being suspended and, and, and about to be fired from his job and his life was in ruins, but his, his wife was trying to clear it up and it wasn't, you know, stuff wasn't happening. It was things that was, it was just coming out and he decided to, um, take his own, uh, life. So, uh, any case, all I'd say, I say all that to say, it was a very interesting take. That movie was a very interesting. Take. It's kind of weird. To, it was. It's kind of weird. To, after getting from getting through all the gore and then going, okay, what were they trying to say with this? Goes <laughs> like, okay, well, this is actually a pretty good um, way to look at it. So, um, yeah, I'll yeah. check it out. I'm I'm not big on horror and gore. No. Uh, I can sit through suspense, but Gabby likes it, so I keep saying her name and I keep having to blank it out. Old girl, she likes it. I was, I, I heard you say it earlier. That's why I was kind of like, oh, you, uh oh. Nah, she, she ain't signed up for this. I did. So, gotcha, gotcha. Um, folks, we appreciate you watching. We appreciate you listening. Hey, we want you to have a safe and enjoyable holiday season. Um, if you're going to party for New Year's, please do it safely. If you, probably the safest place, if you're not going to go nowhere, if you want to really drink, Stay home or, you know, do the Uber thing. You know, what I, mean? I haven't been out for New Year's in so long, man. Nah, I stopped going out for New Year's and then I, I DJ parties for New Year's, which doesn't really count as going out. And nah. then after I stopped DJing parties for New Year's, I'd be in the house. I never really went out. I've always it's always been work. If I don't go, if I wasn't going to church. I wasn't going anywhere. And then I was. It's you know, amateur hour, man. It's dangerous. Because people, people who don't, they ain't about that life. They get out there and they get real, real full and mm -hmm. driving or just acting a general fool in a venue. It's, yeah, I, I highly recommend, you know, close friends at the house and doing yeah. your thing at the crib. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, I mean, last year we did uh, um, sweatpants, um, rocking sweatpants New Year's Eve. I, may, I remember. I may do that. We may do, we should do that again. We should do that. I'm again. in. All right, let's do it. I'm in. So, uh, folks, again, thank you for watching. Thanks for listening. Um, if you haven't subscribed already, please do so. Tell a friend, comment, and we'll see you next year. Peace. Peace. Mm -hmm.